Okay, good morning, everybody. Uh, this is Dave Vellante, and welcome to the 57th Peer Insight Research Meeting. Um, I'll be your host today, and the topic for the discussion is Virtualization Energizes Cal State U East Bay. And we're pleased to welcome our guest today, Rich Avila of California State University East Bay. Rich is the Director of Network Operations and was uh, intimately involved in a project to dramatically reduce the CSU uh, East Bay's energy consumption in its data centers. Uh, Rich, are you there? And we'd like to say welcome. Yeah, I'm here. Good morning, everyone. Great. Thanks for joining us. Uh, as most of you know, the, the Wikibon Peer Insight is a regular conference call where we gather to, to share knowledge about solving pressing problems and sharing best practices, uh, really trying to focus on how to apply technology to, to create a business capability. If you're not speaking on the call, please mute your line. Uh, if you don't have a mute button, just hit a four-star to mute and then a four-star to unmute uh, if you want to participate. And everyone's welcome to do that. Uh, this call is going to be recorded and it's going to last one hour. I will definitely have plenty of op opportunities for you all to, to chime in. Um, let's see, if you do so, just uh, announce yourself, let us know who you are. If you're not comfortable with your full name, just give us your first name or a pseudonym. Um, on wikibon.org, right at the center of the landing page and, and on the wiki, we put up some information and some pictures that will be useful for today's call. So just go to wikibon.org and look for the link right at the top of the page in the middle. It says, Notes for Today's Peer Insight, Virtualization Energizes Cal State U East Bay. As I say, there's some fun pictures in there. So before we get started, let me just set up the situation. Uh, Jonathan Charles is the CIO of uh, Cal State U East Bay, and it's late 2007, and you're responsible for this mid-sized data center with you know, a little over 100 servers. And your data center is consuming 67 kVA, and the maximum available from the plant is 75 kVA. And PG&E, your power company, says there's no more power to be delivered. And by your calculations, or your staff calculations, you'll be out of juice in six months. And you're planning a new data center, but that's not going to be ready for two years. Um, so, Rich, is that pretty much the situation you faced? Yeah, that's uh, exactly the situation. We were uh, back, was up against the wall with uh, needing to bring in uh, uh, more equipment and uh, having the situation of uh, equipment that's sitting in the data center um, not being utilized fully. Um, a lot of the issues that we had were because of the way things were done within the departments, you know, everyone would buy their own equipment and therefore when we did a survey looking at all our servers and their usage, um, majority of them were below 10% used processing power wise. And the SAN environment was the same. Some of them had standalone stand SAN devices that uh, weren't even maxed out, barely used, or uh, the other ones that were put in weren't being uh, fully utilized that were uh, larger sand units. So uh, we ran into that issue also. So we went through a whole process of looking at <clears throat> what equipment 
was out there, what equipment could be uh, virtualized and therefore be able to shut down um, you know, the other servers that were, un unfortunately, a lot of them were over five plus years. Uh, I just shut one down that was uh, last week that was 16 years old. So we have some from very old units here. Uh, oh, what was that, a microvax? Yeah, that's what it looked like. It was uh, the box. Uh, it was kind of cracked me up because the reason we got to shut it down, uh, the process we went through was I tried to shut it down six months ago. They wouldn't let me. And between then and now, uh, each box is uh, 19 inches wide, 8U tall, and uh, I don't know, probably two foot long. And each one had 256K in it and we lost one of them. So they finally realized we better get rid of it. So they uh, expedited the application and we were able to put it on VMware and move it over uh, just two weeks ago. So got that thing shut down. But that's the kind of situation we had. We had a lot of what I'll call low-hanging fruit that was in the data center. A lot of things that weren't uh, uh, properly hooked up where you could eliminate a lot of devices, CRTs and so forth, to that were consuming power. But the main thing that we did was start virtualizing and uh, bringing in um, a SAN unit to hook everything up to and better utilize that environment. That's also dropped our power consumption quite a bit. Uh, like I said, we were pushing 67 kVA and we lowered it down to 5051. Uh, during that process, we've just the initial process, we dropped over 40 servers uh, within the first, I'd say, three to four months. Uh, my last count on what we've uh, uh, managed to uh, uh, cut over is well over uh, uh, probably. 60 servers plus all the new applications we've had. We're way over probably 75, 80 uh, applications now on our VMware boxes. So, Rich, I want to come back and, and talk about that. Um, but so let me just make sure I understand what you said. So you had, what I said, a little over 100. I think it was well over 100. It was closer to 200 servers, right? Yeah, with the, with the whole campus itself, there was probably 280 uh, 300 servers, um, uh, over 200 in the data center alone. Okay, and and so you had a bunch of DAS, and, and if I understand it correctly, some SAN, and both were were underutilized as well as the servers, right? Oh yeah, completely underutilized, a lot of it. Okay, and then so I'm interested in uh, sort of the impetus for this. I know obviously out of power, but there was another. There's another storyline here with Jonathan Taylor. Can you tell us about Jonathan, like who he is and how Yeah, Jonathan is my lead uh, engineer, uh, systems engineer, and he is going for a degree here, and, and one of the studies that he's doing is environmentals, and this gave him an opportunity to write up a paper to justify what we're doing and, and how we're doing it. So it... It was a dual-purpose paper, not only uh, uh, satisfied what we need to do and tell management what needs to be done, but it also got him a, a nice passing grade at the same time. Uh, that paper basically pointed out what 
could what should be done in this type of environment by virtualizing the servers and and coming up with a, a sand migration plan uh, to be able to shut down additional devices. Uh, like I said, we were over 200 servers in the data center, and we're down to about 140 right now. So uh, we've uh, proven that case uh, time and time again here. Okay, so the strategy was to, to consolidate the, 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 the servers, un start unplugging stuff basically down to some number of physical servers, right? How many physical servers did, did you consolidate to? Uh, well, right now, um, the VMware servers are three, uh, Sun 4600 uh, running VMware. Uh, they're running a mix of Windows and Linux at this point in time, uh, operating systems, uh, with, again, a multitude of different applications throughout the campus. Uh, we're in the midst right now, within the next six to nine months, of taking all the servers that are outside of the data center and bringing them in. Uh, that's about 65 additional servers, which 25 of them are going to be imported into our web environment, and the other ones, uh, we should be able to shut everything down except for about four or five servers and virtualize them. So we'll have that under control hopefully in the next nine nine months. So the 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 the, the, the close to 100 down to, you said, four, 4 or 5, right? Yeah, it'll be, no, it'll be 65 altogether that we're probably going to go down to about only 4 or 5 physical servers when we're done. Okay, and those uh, those were, if I understand it correctly, they were there's predominantly Sun servers or? What, what are uh, those are a mixed, uh, wide variety of Windows, uh, a handful of Sun, and a handful of Linux. Um, that's running out in the campus, what I'll call the campus department environment. Uh, we want to be able to bring that into here because what we're finding is a lot of that equipment, uh, even though it's out there and it's supporting departments, it's not necessarily being supported correctly, uh, patches, uh, um, backups, and so forth, uh, a proper uh, um, you know, development and test systems form. So as as these things roll out, new new uh, patches or new releases are properly tested before uh, you know a server is brought down in production. Right, and then and then you also virtualized uh, storage. Is that correct? Yeah, that was probably one of the biggest savings uh, some of the units because of the power it took for some of the standalone units. Uh, uh, we're probably, by the end of April, we should have all the old sand gear shut down. Uh, but uh, it makes a big difference as you unplug, as you unplug some of those units, especially in the, uh, uh, the components that we had for sand. Uh, so, spinning discs were uh, absorbing a lot of power. And what's, do, you, do you know what the capacity is that you virtualized? Uh, we started out basically with about 43 terabytes, and we've had since then, uh, since our initial push, six month, four to six month push to, to move everything over, virtualize and, and move uh, uh, SAN uh, storage over to it, uh, we've had to, to do another, uh, um, I think it was 30, 30 terabyte upgrade to it. 25, 30 uh, terabyte upgrade already to it. Uh, 
in order to support uh, existing applications, also future applications that are coming up. Okay, and the storage backbone was three par, is that correct? Yeah, it was three par. Uh, one of the reasons we went to it was it was very um, user friendly uh, for the engineers, easy to to manage and maintain. Um, was uh, once we got power set and ready to go, we were literally after about two weeks of testing in a production mode with the device, and from there on it just exploded. We just started moving stuff like crazy to it. And uh, we've got a mandate from the president to to be able to recover some of key applications here, and it allows us to snapshot uh, and provide, say, a five-minute backup. So anything that teachers or students are doing, like tests or grading or anything like that, in the past we've had outages where they've had to re-input maybe, you know, a day's worth of work. Uh, this way, snapshotting and doing it properly. Uh, we could recover that up to the last five minutes. Okay. What I want to do is I want to ask you a couple more questions, <clears throat> and then maybe do some some pictures, talk about some of the results, and, and open it up. And actually, maybe we'll open up for questions before we talk about the, the results or review those. I'm very interested in how you got. So you have this environment where you have a lot of sort of rogue servers and applications, if I can call them that. How did you get everybody to to play? I mean, obviously you had a mandate because you're running out of power, but how did you organize that and, and cut over to the virtual well, environment? One of the things that uh, John Charles put together, we were all decentralized environment. We are now centralized, so that now comes over one area. By doing that, we were able to work with these other uh, departments and, and teams and start the whole push of virtualizing these devices throughout the campus. So that was a tremendous help on making this, this thing really happen. So, so basically you said we're cutting you over on this date. Speak, speak now to pick a different date or that's when we're moving you. Yeah, basically we, we work with each one of them. We have certain windows. We're, we're a, a, a quarter campus, so we have, we've established certain maintenance windows eight times a year and we have quarter windows, what we call our quarter window opportunities where we can move critical applications uh, without impacting um, the uh, faculty or students. And uh, we coordinate it with them to do all these activities during those windows. So we try to, you know, not jeopardize anybody uh, other than, uh, you know, stepping into these windows because that process was not there prior to to, to this whole uh, storage and virtualization rollout. Okay, so so just um, before we open it up for questions, and I got a couple more questions for you. Can you just take us through the timeline so we can picture again? It's like late 2007, is that right? When you yeah, late 2007, the the whole project got kicked off and everything, and then went through an evaluation, and by I think it was the February March time frame, uh, made the order. Um, with uh, the, um, the SAN. Prior to that, um, um, the order was already in, I think, in January or so. So we had VMware running probably in the March, April time frame, and the SAN came in and uh, basically came in in May, and we installed it the middle of June, and it was in production the 1st of July. Um, we went through 
what I'll call sort of the low-hanging fruit of servers that we maintain and manage, and we're able to roll that in without impacts. And then we went out to the other uh, departments and groups and started uh, doing uh, theirs. And now that we've taken over the rest of the departments within the campus, uh, we're going through that process. So it was really about a six-month uh, ramp up, and then you started to see results in the summer. Is that right? Of 2008. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely saw results in the summer. Uh, you could see, you know, um, we went from 60, I think 67 kVA down to uh, probably 60, 50, 58, 60 kVA just in the initial bringing it in and shutting down the initial stuff, and then from there. Uh, Within that probably six month period, we've we've been at around 50 kVA. Uh, we've also brought in an I don't uh, an additional I'd say 10 to 15 new applications that are running on VMware. That if we did it the old way, that would have cost us another hundred thousand dollars plus all the power and air conditioning to handle it all. And no no telling what kind of sand you know some of that would have uh, needed. So uh, it's it's been a tremendous savings. All right, so two more things I want to cover quickly, and then we'll open it up for, for folks. So the the pictures on the site that you see, um, and, and Rich, you shared some of these were ones I think that David Floyer might have taken. So the first two that you see a, a big rack of servers and a bunch of storage in there, and a pretty dense situation. You get a sense of what the data center looks like, and then. You can see another picture, sort of a vertical picture of a bunch of three-par gear, and then I guess those are uh, uh, three Sun servers, and then two trash cans in the background. Yeah. yeah. Sorry about that. No, that's okay. Nice, nice, and nice. A lot of space for growth. Yeah, and yeah. then you can see the before and after shots of the data center. A couple of those, and then there's the lights out situation, which we can talk about later. But so, what are we looking at here? Can you just briefly take us through these pictures? Yeah. Um, that first one is all our networking and uh, uh, LMS systems. Uh, basically, uh, they're the systems, learning management systems for the campus. Uh, very critical systems. Um, so that environment there prior prior to that was, um, I would say, uh, this is the beginning and end results of, of what happened on that one aisle. It, uh, uh, a lot of this gear was not being set up, maintained, and one of the critical things with earth, earthquake bracing um, all had to be set up and moved into appropriate racks. So that's what this pretty much entails uh, with all the earthquake bracing and some of the power issues that we had to, to move things around to be on the right uh, breakers and so forth. Uh, uh, we ended, this was the end result of, of that one rack. The next picture with a three par uh, in there. Uh, it pretty much that uh, would have this one full rack is probably uh, taking the place of what I'll call probably. Uh, one and a half to two racks of what was existing as as uh, other storage units and either shared or independent. 
and this, of course, is is multitudes more uh, terabytes compared to some of the other ones that weren't even a terabyte, or because they were so old. So uh, that picture uh, is probably you know, one of the most significant ones with all the storage that we had in there that we pulled out. If you look at the, the next before and after one, uh, what I was talking about was low-hanging fruit, and there was a lot of equipment, miscellaneous stuff plugged in that we unplugged and repositioned uh, equipment within the data center, uh, took took equipment out of the data center that didn't need, need UPS or uh, diesel backup or anything and put in a different area because it was not critical equipment to lessen the power within the data center. And the end result was the after picture by cleaning all that out and repurposing it. Right. Now, you took a bunch of equipment out, right? You told yes. Uh, there was a lot of low-hanging, what I'll call low-hanging fruit there. They had uh, CRTs versus flat screens. They didn't have everything hooked up to KVMs. Uh, we we went through that process and, and uh, purchased Raritan so we could plug in uh, up to 64 devices into the unit versus the old units, which you get like, you know, 16 devices or something off of them, and it took up more space. So uh, that was a tremendous savings. The next picture is uh, pretty much the back wall and the rack to the right there. Uh, was uh, that whole row of about six or seven cabinets uh, was uh, taken out. All the gear was either virtualized or uh, maybe I think we moved maybe three-quarters of a cabinet over to the new area out of what was on that row. Everything else was pretty much shut down and, and uh, moved out. And the after picture shows the results there. Uh, that uh, we were able to clean all that up and move it all out. Okay, so you, you've been able to unplug a number of servers. I think ultimately you're going to get up to probably what, 60 plus, I think you said, right? Um, yeah, yeah, we're probably 60 plus servers uh, have been moved out of there since we first started this less than a year ago. And, and you moved a bunch of NAS servers to the SAN, right? Yes. Uh, we're, we should be pretty much by the end of this month, the 1st of April, have any remaining SAN equipment out of there, which will free up another uh, half a rack is what's left in there. So that half rack now becomes available, no heating, air conditioning for that no longer, and power consumption will be available for us again. And you, you, you you gave me a figure when we talked a couple of weeks ago. You said that you, you avoided approximately, what did you say, over $200,000 in cost? Yes. Uh, over uh, with, with all the new requests that we've had coming in, uh, the new applications, uh, well over $200,000 in cost uh, just from the equipment side of it. Uh, add in any of of your power, rack space, maintenance, and so forth, uh, that's the, what I look at as cost avoidance. Uh, if, if I had to do it the other way, I'd be paying, uh, since we're doing it virtual, virtually, 
majority of the time, uh, that is a cost avoidance for me. And of course, the big thing was you got more headroom. So data center didn't shut down. Yeah, uh, I needed the, the 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 room because of you know I am moving to a new data center and uh, I'm going to have of course more room there, but I'm really tight on space in here, and they've only given me so much uh, space because of uh, all the earthquake bracing that was done. They had spent uh, I think over eighty thousand dollars. Eighty to one hundred thousand dollars putting up or, uh, new cabinets and uh, earthquake bracing to, to be able to uh, 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 support all the gear that we do have in there now. So I'm I'm at limited space also. I got to be careful about what's coming in and where it's going to be placed also. And, and you also got a rebate from PG&E. <laughs> yeah, that was that was kind of nice. It wasn't a big rebate, but it was it was. Uh, uh, you know, the whole thing is, you know, on being green, uh, trying, you know, take advantage of what you can, and part of that was the rebate. But I think what we got more out of that than anything else is, uh, you know, acknowledgement uh, for the campus as far as, you know, giving it our, our efforts here to, to do the best we can with what we have. Uh, trying to be green. Uh, we've done different articles through through the campus and through 3PAR and so forth, and we've also submitted uh, for awards committee with uh, 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 throughout the United States to uh, see if we can win a uh, what they call a university award for for technology. So we're in the process of doing all that as far as recognition for what we've tried to accomplish here. Yeah, and, and as many of you know, we helped Cal State U East Bay get that rebate with PG&E and. And, and you know, help them do the analysis and fill out the forms and all that stuff. Which, while the rebate was small, uh, David Floyd, you're on the call, right? Yes, uh, I am. Yeah. I think you had said that the the cost savings over five years was. Do you remember what it was? It was thirty-five thousand in in terms of the energy savings uh, from uh, from air conditioning and from the. Uh, that's just on the storage side. That was thirty-five thousand. Uh, obviously, it was much higher if you included the uh, the service as well. I think that's. Uh, 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 I can't remember the figure of that one, but just on the storage side, it was thirty-five thousand from taking out the uh, the old uh, storage. And, so, uh, and that that was a very conservative estimate. That was, uh, uh, if you take into account the growth uh, that's happened since then, I'm sure it would be significantly higher. <clears throat> Excellent. Well, that, yeah, that's just my whole thing. It's not only the growth; it's the cost avoidance. If we yeah. would have purchased the the components versus virtualizing them, right? So that I mean, the cost savings alone is, you know, in recognition. Uh, like I said, that that's just a little part of it. The real real bonus is we're not paying all those costs out every month. Right. I just want to uh, – that's great. And I and, uh, appreciate the uh, the point about, you know, a little, the attaboy for the for the green, you know, perception, and that, that never hurts. And the, the other thing I wanted to, to mention is that Cal State U East Bay was the first customer to receive a rebate for installing energy-efficient storage from PG&E, and it was related to the – Thin provisioning technology, which of course the three power arrays include. Um, Virtualization and thin provisioning, yeah. Right. So, so David and David, this is Randy Cole with PG&E. Uh, I, I was the project manager uh, for PG&E's incentive. I wanted to make clear it is not a rebate, it's an incentive, and that you have to apply beforehand. Our rebates are after the fact, 
So you have to apply, if you're going to try to duplicate anybody who's trying to duplicate this in the future in PG&E, needs to apply beforehand, and David Floyer can help him that. Uh, the other aspect is all the server virtualization that Rich did, as far as I know, was not el uh, would have been eligible for our server virtualization incentive program, but I'm afraid I never saw an application on that. So, Rich, if you're still doing more, I can give you incentives for that as well. Yeah, we're still doing more. So, uh, uh, Can you uh, get a hold of either me or Jerry Leong, your account rep, and we can help you further? Uh, as long as you're going to do it, we have incentives. Uh, in fact, in 2009, our incentive rate has gone up to uh, pay $200 per net server reduced. So uh, if you want... We'll probably get more of an incentive from the server virtualization than you have from the storage consolidation slash bin provisioning uh, with three parts. Yeah, so that's good. Thank you, Randy, for pointing that out. And that's a very important point. We often use the term rebate, but it really is an incentive. PG&E needs to see that um, there's an investment from, from the customer, and it's very important that you apply for these incentives prior to the equipment going in. That's a, a, a prerequisite that cannot be broken. So, thank you. Um, yeah, I think we learned about, we were doing the, that, and then we learned, you know, sort of midway through our process that we could have gotten rebates from the other ones, but we're kind of, I think, so busy just trying to get everything moved over that uh, we, you know, we just got it. Like I said, got that phase done, but this would be great for the next phase that we're doing here in the next uh, three to six months. And that was uh, $200 per server that you uh, unplugged. Is that right, Randy? Is that what I heard? That's what he mentioned. Yeah, that, I had to unmute my mic. Yes, it's 200 per net server, so if you say you have a 10 to 1 consolidation so you uh, got rid of 10 servers, but you added one to do accomplish your virtualization, then we give you credit for the, nine, the net number of nine servers times 200 bucks. It's actually $199.68 or some ridiculous number, so I, I, I say it's 200, it's a lot easier number to remember. Well, I'll get you the list, Randy. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Okay, other other questions. I wanted to, uh, at some point, Rich, I want to come back and just summarize the results and maybe talk about the lights out and where you're going from here. And, and also want to share some advice with your peers. But other questions or comments that people have, I'll, I'll open up the lines. Just go ahead and jump on and introduce yourself. First name is fine if you don't want to give your whole name. Hello? Go ahead. Hi, uh, yes. Uh, my name is um, Dan. Uh, Chen from uh, Princeton University, and we are currently evaluating uh, storage vendors. We're looking to upgrade or, or migrate from our current storage infrastructure. And I was just wondering, what previous storage vendors were you using before you went to 3PAR, and which other vendors did you evaluate before you chose 3PAR? Um, we had um, OnStore and EMC ma mainly. Mm -hmm. And uh, we evaluated those plus, uh, what was the other one? No, Hitachi. I guess I was just looking to see if you had any. 
It might have been Hypatia. I'd have to to look it up. Um, okay. I uh, can't. I'll have to look it up here. I uh, can't say right right off the top of my head, but I uh, pretty. It was those two. Uh, we put an RFP out, and I think when we got our um, responses back uh, during that uh, cycle, um, there's only I thought there was only like three that met the initial requirements, mm -hmm. and that was three par EMC and on store. Okay, um, it's it's probably worth taking a second to to talk about thin provisioning and, and virtualization. And I know, Rich, this is really not your bailiwick, it's more Jonathan. Bailiwick, is that, a, is that an Irish word or, or is that an English word? David Flory, you should know. De definitely Irish. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody. Um, but David, you performed an analysis using metadata uh, across a bunch of, uh, of, of volumes using three-par storage and determined the relationship between uh, uh, utilization uh, before and after thin provisioning. Can you just talk about that very briefly? Sure, yes. Um, we, I, I did a study looking at uh, the um, the data that uh, 3PAR gets back from, from its customers, you know, the metadata. And what, what the, the thin provisioning and virtualization uh, essentially saves storage from being able to virtualize it, and that's uh, the uh, obviously the thin copies that are made as opposed to any fat copies um, uh, every five minutes or uh, as uh, Rich talked about. Uh, and as well, the thin provisioning, on, it only uses storage when it's actually written, not when it's actually allocated. So we did a study on uh, on, on hundreds of, uh, of customers and uh, I think about 10,000 volumes. And the, the percentage uh, saving was around uh, 50%. Uh, was the um, 150%? In other words, you, you save 50%. Uh, half the customers save 50% or more uh, uh, from the study that we did. <clears throat> so it, the the and those savings from an energy point of view uh, go back into fewer fewer drives and fewer. Uh, uh, well, fewer drives is, is the major, major component, uh, but obviously from a cost point of view, um, uh, they were able to just need far fewer drives to actually uh, deal with the, the, the terabytes that were needed. The utilization, the effective utilization uh, is, uh, is way up in the 70% um, or so as opposed to uh, the traditional 30-40%. Is that so, the level of detail you were looking for, Dan? Yeah, that's, I just wanted to point that out. There's a case study up on Wikibon about this, and, and Dan, if you if you want to see it, either if you can find if you can't find it on Wikibon, just email me at uh, david.vellante, V-E-L-L-A-N-T-E, at wikibon.org, and we can get you a copy. But um, it's just worth pointing that out because it was real customer data, not customer data, but metadata from customers. I don't want to freak any three-part customers out, but... Uh, so there was no customer data there, but it was real metadata. And, and David, I think you did a really good job of analyzing that. Uh, other questions? Uh, uh, Dan, one, one, one point, one of the strongest points we had during our RFP was uh, to bring in a piece of gear that doesn't take a lot of 
manpower to support, a lot of hours, a lot of, you know, uh, training and so forth. Uh, that that piece of gear scored real high because of that, and that was one of we, being low staffed as we are. Uh, you know that was one of the the major reasons of of uh, bringing that in because it was so easy to use, manage, maintain, and it gave us the ten provisioning we wanted also. Mm -hmm. Good. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, other other questions for, for Rich or comments? Oh yeah. You know, 3PAR is not the only one that does thin provisioning. Uh, a number of others do. We, we happen to have analyzed uh, several and, and got some good data from 3PAR that helped us analyze it, but there are others out there. Um, you know, virtually, virtually anybody that is in the game has that capability these days. Um, other thoughts, questions? Yeah, I, I've got a question, if I may. Uh, this, is, this is Craig. Um, in a, as you move towards a, a virtualized environment, one of the challenges that you face is uh, preserving uh, performance and, and resources for all these virtual servers because now you're obviously you're, you're contingent upon you know, taking a lot of physical servers, crunching them down to a fewer number of ESX servers, and uh, certainly on the array side as well. So can you talk a little bit about, about how you're monitoring performance uh, across your environment, uh, both for servers and for the storage array? Um, right now with VMware, we're, we're taking regular stats on that and we're finding, you know, what we found before. There's, there's a lot of uh, applications out there only running in the less than 10% uh, tile. Uh, what's that allowed us to do uh, is, is bring on other applications, pilots and so forth, that um, we need to measure before we make a decision of purchasing uh, equipment if it won't run on VMware the way we'd, you know, sort of play nice with others on the boxes. So that's allowed us some latitude that that some of them uh, have proven VMware worthy and, and we're going to keep them there and some of them we, are, we know we're going to have to buy equipment and take those apps off because they, they will uh, uh, cause a problem eventually with their overhead. So uh, we're, we're constantly monitoring that, making sure, um, you know, we're within certain limits. Uh, we've we've upgraded our VMware uh, once. We can we can expand it again, uh, double its size basically. But uh, uh, just doing that has given us latitude enough, probably, to put on I would say at least another 50 to 75 servers on there before we hit, we hit a capacity issue or throughput issue. Okay, Craig, any follow-up or answer your question? Yeah, I, 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 guess, I guess the question is how, how will you know when you have a throughput or performance issue um, specifically relating to the, to, the, to the array? Are there tools built into the array to show you queuing and I.O., or are you using uh, maybe a third party at the, at the SAN layer or at the ESX layer? I'm just curious how you're... But we're we're doing it um, uh, sort of a multitude of ways. We've used Xenos, which is a monitoring for our servers, and, and they'll tell us when, when they hit certain capacities, you know, 80% memory usage, uh, whatever we set it for, uh, storage uh, issues, that type of thing. Uh, off the servers, uh, that's been very helpful. Uh, we've been uh, uh, pretty much using that on uh, all the Linux and Windows ones, and we're moving into uh, 
the sun equipment now with that. We we are using Big Brother for it, but I don't want to have to look at two systems. So uh, we're moving uh, the sun over to Xenos because that's been proven to be, um, you know, alerts and alarms us. We write tickets. We adjust uh, the memory. We, uh, you know, adjust the sand, whatever's needed. So that's been proven to be, um, you know, effective at this time. Okay, thank you. Okay, other thoughts, questions, comments? Oh, yeah, this is Nick Allen. I had one. Did, you, did your backup infrastructure change, or how did it change? And the backup infrastructure is we're going through an RFP right now. That's going to change dramatically. Uh, one of the things that uh, the first thing the, the president wanted was to be able to, to recover um, critical applications in, in a reasonable amount of time and the second one is to be able to be up and running 7 by 24 without uh, bringing down major systems so we're in a in a, an RFP process right now where we're evaluating backup systems to allow us to 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 provide that capability to the campus so the faculty the students and so forth because we've got we've got students all over the world we got students in Germany and Japan, China, uh, they take online courses. They, we have video um, courses that, uh, you know, we take during the day here and they view, you know, one, uh, you know, in the middle of the night because it's their daytime and they're taking the course that a student took here this morning, they're taking it, you know, tonight. So there's all different kinds of programs where it's getting more and more demanding to be up all the time, but at the same time, we've got to be able to back those up and support them. So uh, we're hoping to have uh, that resolved here within the next uh, four to six months with a new backup environment. So are you going through a, a, what some people might call a classification exercise now, or you know, trying to understand the, the RPO, RTO requirements? Or? Uh, no, we're, we've put together uh, an RFP. It's been out. It's it, unfortunately it's closed right now. We're going through the valuation processes uh, to come up with a, a recommended vendor to move us forward to give us that capability. And what do you use it now? Uh, we're using a combination of ArcServe and uh, 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 I just drew a blank. Uh, Net servant, I guess. So, uh, I can't. Uh, ArcServe and uh, right. so you're doing. Servant, I think you're doing incremental backups. You're using. We're doing backups. incremental backups only on critical systems right now, but they want to be able to start doing incrementals on some of these other systems. The the issue that we've had in the past is the support has been so scattered within all the departments, no one has been able to uh, really, you know, get their hands around those the servers, those applications, and what really needs to be done with it. So we're going through a whole exercise right now of quantifying all the systems that are being backed up and the ones that aren't getting incrementals, do they need them or not? So that, that evaluation is uh, is an ongoing process right now. Okay, thanks. Okay. Other thoughts, questions, comments? 
Can we, um, just before we, we wrap, can we just kind of review uh, some of the results again, uh, Rich? So you said uh -huh. you reduced power consumption from 67 to 51 kVA, is that right? Yeah. Did you, that's, that's going to obviously save you some money. Did you lower the utility bill, Fred? You're on the line, right, Fred? That's, I'm on the line, yeah. That's the question that you always ask, and you lower the utility bill. Yeah, I think I asked that last time too. <laughs> yeah, I wish I wish they would have broken out this room so I could get a real, you know, cost off of that PDU. I think that would have supported the case even more. But uh, uh, I see just with what we've done in there, setting things up properly, uh, temperature is not. Alarms aren't going off like they used to in the past with uh, heat problems, um, airflow problems, all those type of things. That's gotten, you know, way less. And uh, the facilities people have noticed, you know, um, as far as they're concerned, a reduction in, you know, issues that we've had in there with uh, uh, the air conditioners themselves. Do so, you pay the energy bill in IT? I, I I don't my uh, I think uh, the C, uh, uh, CFO uh, the, the, probably goes to him. I I have no idea that like the like I said this this building's one you know just one just a part of it and I'm sure they pay one blanket you know dollar amount to PG&E a month that doesn't break it out by building. Do they put yeah, any the, pressure the, on the, you? The, to manage energy consumption so that you ultimately don't have to move to another facility at some point? Uh, I'll, no, I'll be, I didn't catch all that. I, I will be moving to a new data center. Because of energy consumption issues or other issues? Other issues. Um, uh, space is one of the major, uh, is one of the major ones, but more importantly is the building that I'm in is basically not earthquake-proofed, uh, and it and the data center being here, uh, they need to move it out of here. Uh, for number one, the second thing is they need to move the people out of this one. It's a ten-story building, and when they get done with it, it's going to be a four-story building. One of the one of the joys of living in the uh, in the Bay Area. Yeah, we're only about 120 feet away from the actual fault line. Uh, you also did something to the PDU, right? Right. Uh, yeah, there there were a lot of things that, um, in order to to maintain seven by twenty four and and uh, uptime, uh, things needed to be done inside the data center. We had to. Uh, um, basically uh, uh, shut the PDU down and have it fit, uh, set up so uh, one of the uh, components in it needed to be restrapped in order to keep it up during uh, power outage. What was happening before, if no one was here, uh, power outage would occur, the switch would flip and the whole data center would go down within five to ten minutes. Uh, by doing that, we were able to keep the data center up because the switch won't flip now. Uh, along with that, there were other units within air handlers within there had the same issue. Um, I um, worked with our facilities teams to put in 
uh, UPSs in order to keep those up and running so we don't have to run around shutting things down because things get too hot now. Um, and that has proven, you know, pretty much kept us up running 7 by 24 ever since we've done that. And that was completed uh, in September timeframe. So we've pretty much been up and running ever since then without any power outages. In the past, especially during the winter months, uh, we've probably taken anywhere from, I would say, an average of six to ten outages uh, during the winter period alone, let alone the brownout issues we've had in the summer. That's probably another three to five outages a year uh, altogether, uh, additional to the six to ten that we have in the wintertime. And then uh, you have this nice picture of the Lights Out Data Center in here. Anything you want to say there? It's kind of cool. Yeah, one of the things that they they actually had before I started here was all the operation staff inside the data center with all the noise and the humming and and uh, the nice cold data center. And I've been able to move those individuals out into a workspace and open this all up. And and now I have a Lights Out before. The lights were never out. They were on 7 by 24 within the data center. Uh, by shutting that down, also that to me has helped somewhat as far as power uh, by not having these lights on all the time. So uh, that is, uh, you know, is, to me it has really helped uh, the individuals, the operators, and so forth. Uh, they appreciate the fact they don't have to try to work in that ice box now. Um, before I, I want to, I want to wrap with just asking you some of the advice you give to peers. But before we do that, I just want to make sure everybody's had an opportunity to comment or, or ask you questions. Are there any others before we wrap up here? I, I had a question. You said that you had uh, 43 terabytes of data, and you had to add 30 terabytes. Yeah. If you set 73, how much should you actually reduce overall? Um. Well. We're the reason why we've we've added some uh, terabytes wise. Uh, I can't say we've reduced, but what we've been able to do where we didn't have RAID before, we've been able to to have that now. So that increases, of course, what you're using. So we're we're taking you know that into consideration. Uh, the other. Uh, uh, equipment, of course, didn't support any kind of snapshotting. Uh, like I said, a lot of it was very old equipment anyway. Uh, so, um, you know, reducing the actual content has been probably second concern. The main thing is right now moving everything over to it and shutting down equipment. Uh, we're Now that we're consolidating, everybody's centralizing. Uh, one of the next efforts would be where do we have duplicate, you know, data and stuff like that. So we can start looking at that and consolidating those type of things so we don't have redundant files out there that are doing the same thing. A lot of that uh, we've moved off to off-site with PeopleSoft and so forth where a lot of those things have been uh, looked at and taken care of. Uh, we've got to make a, a, a real effort internally here to start looking at that once we get all this underway and we get our centralization uh, project completed, which is 
the body part of it uh, is not going to be completed until the August-September time frame where all the departments and people will be uh, completely reorganized and new structure in place. Uh, who asked that question? Uh, my name is John. John, thank you. That brings up a good point. Uh, I know you don't know this, Rich, but if, if you had to guess how much of the how much of your whatever it is, 70 terabytes, is uh, useless junk? <laughs> well, I would say um, there's probably knowing the campus, there's probably 20 to 30 percent that I would say that uh, as as especially on the website of everything we found out because we've made a con really concern effort there. Uh, I would need to work with that group, but I would say conservatively whatever we had out on the web and all these other uh, departments that had the same thing out there, uh, we've made significant uh, savings there as far as what we had in the past to where it is now. What those numbers are I can't really tell you, but I would say that's probably uh, once we get these other servers done, I would say in the two to three terabit range that we we're going to eliminate just by doing the web consolidation alone. Okay, so a couple terabytes there. All right, so um, anything else before we wrap here? All right, good. So, Rich, other than don't wait till you're out of power, what what uh, advice would you give to your peers here? Who are yeah, one one of the first things is to you know do some housekeeping, making sure. Um, you know, asset uh, lists, uh, working with the asset department, making sure you know where everything is, what it is, uh, what it's being used for, um, uh, how it's being used is, is you know, is it 10% uh, utilized or, you know, 90% utilized, um, what, what its content is. Uh, try to find out as much data on that as possible. Uh, the whole asset management part of it is, I started that probably six months ago, uh, and I'm still filling those things out and learning more and more about what we have and, and what needs to be corrected. Uh, and then I have, again, like I said, these 65 servers coming in, I have no idea what they are and what they do yet. So that all has to be put into the asset management part of it and start evaluating those. Part of that is we haven't had a chance to, to look at what content is on each one. Uh, we're basically asking, you know, things, what is the size? What do you need? Do you need 100 gigabits or a terabyte, you know, for moving this stuff over? And then from there we try to drill down. If it's something that's duplicated with someone else, then we try to see if we can do something as far as sharing files, but other than that, there's not a lot of time to, to uh, or manpower to uh, get into looking at how we, you know, merge databases or anything like that at this point in time. Uh, so I would say key key thing is your housekeeping part. You know, do what you can in there to get rid of CRTs, to get rid of uh, components that are not needed, replace them with more efficient, and effective units uh, is probably key number one. Uh, communicate your plans. One of the things I try to do, I have a monthly meeting with all the campus uh, departments and everything, and I try to communicate to them what we're doing in the data center, 
what our next steps are and what I need from them in order to make it successful. That program has probably worked one of the best right there as far as keeping people uh, informed of what's going on. Uh, there's a lot of talent out there that have been able to step up and help us get things done quicker and uh, they're uh, willing to own some, you know, continue to own stuff uh, as we go through this process. So that's helped us quite a bit. So keeping those people informed about what's going on has been real key also. Excellent. Thank you for, for those thoughts. All right, folks, we've got to wrap. Uh, so behalf, on behalf of the Wikibon community, Rich, we'd like to thank you for uh, sharing your thoughts with us and showing us how messy your data center used to be. Yeah. Well, I want to thank Wikibom and PG&E and all the support and effort that they've been giving me. Uh, I can't say enough about them. They're always there, always return calls, and always there to help. So I appreciate you guys. Well, thank you. And then, oh, it's just a reminder, Rich and I are going to be at uh, SNW um, on the Wednesday. We've got a, uh, basically we're presenting similar material somewhere around 2 o'clock, so we'll send out a notice to everybody on that. So look forward to seeing you there if you're, if you're at the show. Uh, I'd like to thank the other folks who contributed on the call today. Randy Cole of PG&E, really appreciate your, your thoughts. Dan Chen from Princeton. Craig, Nick Allen, Fred Moore, and John, thank you for participating. Uh, just as a reminder, within 24 hours, we'll have up on Wikibon six research notes pertaining to the call today uh, with user actions. So, so look for that and, and feel free to hit the edit tab to, to improve these pieces. We are a wiki. Uh, and we'll be producing a podcast mashup of this call, so uh, look for that as, as well. And um, that's all for today. Thanks for listening, everybody, and thanks for being a Wikibon member. Bye for now. <laughs>